0: Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays.
1: So the first reading is from uh, page 616 in the Church Bibles, uh, and it's Psalm uh, 118. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say... His love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, His love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, His love endures forever. In my anguish, I cried to the Lord, and he answered by setting me free. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I will look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord I cut them off. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord I cut them off. They swarmed around me like bees, but they died out as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die but live, and will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord, through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks. For you answered me, you have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvellous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, save us, O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine upon us. With boughs in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. The second reading is on page 1218, and it's 1 Peter chapter 2, um, verses 4 to 12. That's 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 12. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall they stumble because they disobey the message which is also what they were destined for but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us.
0: As we stand, let's uh, pray together. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that already in your word as it was read and even as we've been singing uh, this uh, hymn, we've heard remarkable things about who we are as your people We pray that those things would strengthen and encourage us to stand firm against all the struggles that we have as Christians in this life. And we pray too that those encouragements may spur us on to live the lives we should for your praise and glory. Amen. Well, please do sit down. Let me encourage you to do a couple of things, if you will. One would be to turn back. This is the most important thing, turn back in your Bible uh, to the second of those two readings. Uh, that uh, Chris read for us page 1218 is the reading as we continue as Peter said earlier in our service to look through uh, one Peter this letter first letter that Peter wrote to Christians uh, all those years ago the other thing that you might like to do is to uh, dig out the little handout Uh, there's one or two um, uh, references on there that I think you'll find handy even if you're not particularly bothered about taking notes I think you'll find it useful uh, to have that to hand so you can see where we're going In the news this week, uh, the hunt for Yusra Hussein, the 15-year-old schoolgirl from Bristol who has boarded a plane for Turkey. It's been suggested that she left the country to become a jihadi bride in Syria. Now, that is still speculation. And there were no signs that she had been radicalised. But I mention it tonight because as the media has covered the story, I wonder if you've been listening in. There's been much discussion about why a 15-year-old Somali girl living in Bristol would do such a thing, if indeed that is what she has done. But still, why would somebody do that? And while a number of theories have been suggested, I was fascinated to hear a few people talk about the need for identity. Uh, One woman talked about how uh, young Somalis in Britain lack a sense of belonging (laughs) she said this she said they have a different religion a different skin color a different way of dressing different values and it all adds up to feeling that they don't belong and so it is a desire to discover your identity is very strong so much so that perhaps a 15 year old has got on a plane to go off somewhere to find out who she is now look knowing who we are and where we've come from knowing that we are loved and valued is not just important for a second generation teenager in Britain it's important for us all new students arriving here in Sheffield in these last weeks you are very welcome it's wonderful to have you here and whether you've realized it or not many of your conversations have been shaped by your desire for identity in the last few weeks Again and again, you'll have been asked the same questions, questions that you'll have been fed up with by now to answer. Where are you from and what are you studying? And you'll have answered those questions in a way that projects you in a good light. You'll have been creating an identity that you want people to have of you. I'm not saying that to knock you. I do the same. People ask me what I do for a living. I don't have a hope at that point. I'm a vicar. That really ruins the conversation. And at that point, I know as the moment goes silent because they're thinking what do I say next I'm thinking what's going on in their mind is they're seeing this guy dressed up in funny clothes in a musty building with about six old women in front of him singing boring songs that's what I'm imagining they're thinking and I'm desperate to say oh I'm the vicar of a big church (laughs) you see it's all about identity that in part is why we find it so hard to say we're Christian we might even be embarrassed to say we go to church our identity matters and especially when we're in a minority now that was a situation peter's first readers were in as we've seen over these last weeks they were suffering just because they were christian They were losing jobs, losing friends, losing face just because they owned the name of Christ. They were marginalised and ostracised by society. In chapter 2 verse 11, our reading today, Peter describes them as aliens and strangers in the world. They lacked a sense of belonging in this world. Remember back in chapter 1, verse 1, we saw that they were scattered all over Asia Minor, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, as these Christians were, were in a minority anyway, but then they'd been scattered over this vast region, and so they'd been, if I may put it this way, further diluted, much as we are on Monday morning. As we gather here on Sunday evening, we know we're in the minority in this nation, but there are at least hundreds of us here to encourage each other, But on Monday morning as we head off for school and uni and go to work in the hospitals and surgeries and offices in Sheffield and Rotherham and Barnsley, we are scattered across South Yorkshire. We are diluted. And so we can feel very small and insignificant. We don't feel as if we belong here in this world. Well, that's exactly what Peter's been saying. But we want to be valued and belong to something that's very important. Well, look, in this section of Peter's letter, we discovered that we that we could not have a more important identity. That's the big thought to hang on to as we go through this. First, Peter tells us here, first point on the handout, that we are living stones built into the temple of God. That's verses four to eight. And if you look at verse four, Peter describes. Jesus as the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. And that language of chosen and precious comes right through this section. You can see it again in verse six, chosen and precious. Comes again in verse nine, a chosen people. Now, look, the point is this. Jesus was rejected by men. We see that every time we look at the cross. Jesus was rejected by men, but that does not mean that he was rejected by God. No, verse four, he was chosen by God and precious to him. And Peter says what is true of Jesus Christ is true of us. Look at verse four. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like living stones do you see the connection between jesus identity and our identity as christians he is the living stone we are living stones he is rejected by men we too will be rejected by the world that of course is the big issue in this letter but here's the thing verse four jesus rejection by men did not mean that god had abandoned him quite the opposite he, the living stone, was chosen by God and precious to him. So we, verse five, as living stones, even though we rejected by the world around us, we are chosen by God and precious to him. And that is so important to hear because when we suffer rejection just because we're Christians, we might well, well wonder if God loves us. Why is this happening to me, Lord, when I'm following you? Well, it's not because God has rejected you. You are chosen by God and precious to Him. And we see just how precious in verse 5. You see, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. In the 1990s, there was a Halifax Building Society which illustrates this perfectly. And here it is. So, this service, live from Christchurch Forward, is sponsored by the Halifax Building Society. (laughs) Well, of course it isn't. I show that out because it is a very good picture of what Peter is saying here. We Christians, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. If you couldn't see it, lots of people being built like bricks making a house. And the spiritual house we are being built into is the temple and we can see that by the language that peter uses here in the rest of verse five as he speaks of priesthood and sacrifices Do you see it there in verse five that is all the language from the old testament sacrificial system now that all happened exclusively in the temple which was also called the house of god now look here is the thing for us tonight in the old testament the the temple was extremely significant because the temple was the place you would go to to meet god now let me stop here just for a moment and explain a few things about the temple in the bible it won't take long but it's very important we get this clear first please grasp clearly that the church building is not the temple the building is not this is not the house of god That expression, the house of God, is reserved exclusively for the temple, the place where you go to meet God. In the Bible, Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of the temple, and I put a reference of that on the handout for you. And Jesus is the temple because as we go to Jesus, we meet God. Jesus' body is the very place where God is present because he is God. Meet Jesus and I'm meeting God. You see, he is the temple but in the new testament there is a secondary fulfillment of the temple and it is this we the people of god not the building but we the people of god are the temple of god and that is what we have here in one peter you'll see other references new testament references on the handout for you to look at later as well So, see how this works? Verse four, as we come to Jesus, the living stone, we, verse five, like living stones, are being built into the house of God, the temple of God. And so even as we are rejected by men, even as we feel that we don't belong here in this world, this makes us very significant, extremely precious to God. And it gives us a most remarkable identity, This means that when we meet together, we are not just another club or a community interest group. We are not like the squash club or a book group or a wine tasting association. We're not just a bunch of people who offer each other support and friendship. No, we are far more significant than all of that. Indeed, listen to this. You cannot be a more significant and more important gathering of people than when you were gathering here. For as we gather together we are the temple of God and that means that others can come to us and come among us and meet the almighty creator of the universe. We are being built into the house of God, the place where you go to meet God. That almost sounds arrogant but it is exactly what the apostle Paul says to the church in Corinth speaking of what christians should do when they gather together he writes that when unbelievers join them and when they hear god's word proclaimed in a clear and intelligible way they will fall down and worship god exclaiming god is really among you isn't that remarkable that is true of any church by which i mean any group of christians uh, gathered around the word of god whether we number several hundred or only a handful of people, we are significant. We are chosen and precious to God. We have a place in the world that matters. If people want to meet God, they can come to us and find Him as we open the scriptures and point people to Jesus. Isn't that? I, I, I keep using the word remarkable for that sense because it is actually remarkable. It's worth marking and making note of. So Christian, don't be embarrassed to say to your unbelieving friends that you're going to church. Don't be embarrassed, but invite them to come with you. Invite them because they will meet here the living God. What is happening here and now is the most significant thing for anyone in the universe to be involved in. I used to work for a church in the heart of London's West End. The building that we gathered in was situated at the top of Regent Street, right next door to the BBC and a colleague of mine used to say the BBC are reporting things from all over the world they are looking for stories and colossal world events all over the globe but right next door to them right under their noses is the biggest thing that is happening in the entire planet (laughs) it is amazing Christian you are not insignificant and worthless we are chosen and precious to god for as living stones we are being built into the spiritual house of god and we are being built into that to be verse 5 a holy priesthood now look again we need to stop here for a moment and understand priesthood in the bible the priests in the old testament were those who stood between god and the people so if you wanted to get to god you had to come through a priest. Now again the first and ultimate fulfilment of Old Testament priesthood is Jesus and Jesus is the great high priest again I put the reference uh, on the handout for you. Jesus you see is the priest who offers the sacrifice that is his own body the sacrifice of his own life on the cross that brings us to God. Through Jesus and the mediating work of his death on the cross we can have access to the Father no other individual can bring you into god's presence or stand between you and god as jesus can he brings you to god and that incidentally is why we should never call anyone who does my job a priest that is just very unhelpful in fact it's almost blasphemous to do that jesus is the first and ultimate fulfillment of the old testament priesthood but Just as with the temple, there is a secondary New Testament understanding of the priesthood and it is here in verse 5 and in verse 9. You can also see it explained in Romans chapter 15 and verse 16, which is also on the handout for you. These verses teach us that collectively all believers, not just the vicar, all believers act as priests in that we all stand between God and unbelievers when we tell them the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that through Jesus they can come to God. In that sense, we do stand between people, not because they come through us, but they come through the message that we have to give to them. Do you see? Now again, see why Peter writes this here. To Christians who were rejected by the world and could easily wonder if they had any significance in the world, Peter says, My goodness me, you are chosen and precious to God. You are his priesthood. You have that huge identity. You have the most significant role in the world. You're not unimportant. You could not be more important. See Christian whatever your day job whether you are a professor or pastor or painter we all have the same and most important job in the world we are the holy priesthood people who tell others about Jesus Christ and in doing so help them to come to know the living God all of us are the same Christian whether you are a surgeon or a singer or a sign writer you have the most important role in the world of offering spiritual sacrifices to God which it says at the end of verse 5. And that simply means living a life that is distinct and pleasing to God, a life that supports your verbal declaration of the gospel. Christian, when you think you're not significant, when you are searching for identity, know that in Christ you could not have a more important identity. We may be, no, we will be rejected by men in the world, but we are chosen and precious to God. And with that, have a crucial role in the world. People can meet God through us. That's the point of verse five. We're living stones then built into the temple of God. So second, over the page on the handout, live lives that are lined up with Jesus Christ. Verses six to eight. Look at verse six. For in scripture it says, see I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame so we are chosen and precious because we are in christ who is the chosen and precious cornerstone Uh, the cornerstone is the most important stone in any building it is a foundation stone it is the stone from which all other stones in the building will be lined up the cornerstone as it were sets the direction of all other stones in the building And so verse six, as we trust Jesus, the cornerstone will never be put to shame. We will never ultimately be defeated. Our lives will always be heading in the right direction. We will be built on a foundation that will never crumble, which is why verse seven, to us who believe this stone is precious, but to those who don't believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Verses seven and eight are using a sort of image from from a building site. Picture a workman looking at stones to select for the cornerstone. This is the most important stone that the builder will lay. He's got these stones around him. The most important stone for the whole building, the foundation stone which will set the building in place and upon which all the other stones will be lined up. Now watch the workman as he picks up the stone. He picks up one stone that actually is the cornerstone, but then he rejects it, he tosses it away. That's the picture of what people do with Jesus but then watch what happens to the builder he selects another stone as the cornerstone and all morning he adds stone after stone to his building and it seems to be going up really well and then later in the day as he goes off for lunch as he's walking across the building site, he only goes and trips over the stone that he'd earlier chucked away and he falls and crashes his head verse 8 the very stone that the builder rejected tossed away he trips over it makes him fall I see, that's what happens when people reject Jesus. Reject the cornerstone, try to line up your life with something else, something other than Jesus, and eventually we fall. Everything we build comes crashing down. You may have seen uh, on, uh, I think it was the ITV News, an interview this week with Stephen Fry, the actor and comedian. Over the years, he's been fairly open about his rejection of Jesus Christ, he has, has of course been phenomenally successful we, we might look at him and aspire to be like him but the interview that he gave this week was desperate. He spoke openly of a cocaine addiction he turned to drugs because in his words it filled a hole. In the interview he spoke of Robin Williams who took his own life after years of battling with drug addiction And the interviewer asked Stephen Fry why he told the world of this drug addiction in his new autobiography. And Fry answered, I don't know, Mark. I just have this inbuilt sort of self-destruct button that I have to press every 10 years or so. If we reject Jesus Christ as the cornerstone and line our lives up with something else, then eventually we will fall. That's what we're reading in verses seven and eight. Our fall won't always be as dramatic as Stephen Fry's, and it won't always end. It won't always be in this life. Indeed, if we re- we've rejected Jesus Christ, the most desperate fall will come when we stand before Almighty God in judgment. And Peter writes all this to Christians who are suffering for their faith in Christ because when we are suffering as aliens and strangers in this world who don't belong in this world we will look at others who've tossed jesus away and they seem to be doing very nicely thank you very much they will often seem to be the most significant and successful and valued people because of their status in the world but peter says no they are heading for a fall In the world of entertainment, Stephen Fry admitted to the fall in in his life this week. In politics, the conservative MP Brooks Newmark fell this week in great shame as he shared sexually explicit photographs of himself with an undercover newspaper reporter. Now compare that to verse 6. The one who trusts in Jesus Christ will never be put to shame. Peter is saying rejecting Jesus causes you to fall sooner or later. But by contrast, we have a great future and a purposeful present. Well, firstly, we've seen living stones built into the temple of God. Secondly, lives lined up with Jesus Christ. Thirdly, and very briefly, living with a purpose, verses nine to 12. he in verse nine, Peter piles up descriptions of our position and status as Christians. Listen to verse nine. This is wonderful. You are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation a people belonging to god that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light now just note that you can't be any of those things on your own you can't be a people a priesthood or a nation on your own that i think is something for us to ponder as individualism seems to be so prevalent in british christianity christian don't try and go it alone Christian student just arrived in Sheffield don't try and go it alone you can't and you're not meant to but of course the people Peter was first writing to wouldn't want to have gone it alone they were suffering because they were Christians they were marginalized they were remember scattered they felt lonely and when you're in that situation you long to be with others which is why he's saying this you're not alone you're a chosen people you're a holy nation you're a royal priesthood When I worked in the newspaper industry, I was the only Christian in a workforce of around 400 people. And uh, I tried, I didn't always make a good job of it, but I tried to be a, a a good witness at work. And I've got to say, I felt lonely as I tried to stand up for Jesus Christ. I couldn't wait for Friday night. Not because it was the end of the week. Not because I had two days away from my job. I actually loved my job. Now, I longed for Friday night because Friday night was when I met with about 25 others to study the Bible and pray together. It was the highlight of my week. See, when Christians are scattered, feeling like foreigners in the world, we long to be with other Christians. We don't want to be individuals. So this is terrific. Verse nine, you are a chosen people. Have you got it? Chosen by God. You're not insignificant. He loves you. What an identity. You are a royal priesthood. Royalty. Oh, that's fantastic. You are a son or daughter of God. We are princes and princesses. What a privilege. You are a holy nation. And in Exodus chapter 19, verse 5, the holy nation is described as God's treasured possession. You are precious to God. Think of your most treasured possession. That's how God views you. But of course with this great privilege comes remarkable, this remarkable status, this amazing identity comes great responsibility. We are meant to be a holy, verse 9, a holy nation that is distinct in the way that we live. And we are a priesthood who, verse 9, declares the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Declaring God's praises. Yep, we can do it here as we sing together, but it's not even primarily about singing, but about telling others about the God who brought us out of darkness into light, saying that they too can come out of darkness into light. This is about speaking the gospel. Because this world has rejected Jesus, the cornerstone of life. Everyone who does that needs a way back into relationship with God. God. That's our job, to tell them how they can know that. Amazing passage, isn't it? We are aliens and strangers in this world. You'll always feel as if you don't belong. Tomorrow morning, you are likely to feel as if you don't belong. But if it is that during the week, you begin to wonder about your identity and your status... You don't have to jump on a plane to Turkey or anywhere else. You don't have to jump on a plane anywhere. You don't have to search any further than here. For we are, verse 9, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. So, verse 11, dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul and live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Let's pray together. Our Father, we are amazed as we read these words that these these descriptions are true of us we thank you that we are not people who have no status even if the world doesn't recognize it but we are people who have the most wonderful position in the whole universe but we also recognize that with that position comes a responsibility And so we ask you to help us from here today to go and live lives that reflect who we are and to speak out in ways that declare to the world how they too can become your people who've received mercy through the Lord Jesus Christ in whose name we pray, amen.